Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean, aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands, and each and every time I was plagued with those red, itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand. And in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. This episode is brought to you by Ned. If you've listened to this podcast, you know I struggle with anxiety that can often lead to disruption in my sleep. When I first learned about CBD being a natural and powerful solution to anxiety, sleep disorders, muscle pain, headaches, and so much more, I became very passionate about finding the best source to put in my body. Enter Ned. Ned is a wellness brand offering science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer holistic alternatives to prescription and over-the-counter medicine. They only grow the highest quality full-spectrum CBD extracted from organically grown hemp plants and sourced from an independent farm in Colorado. I love that I can trust their transparent sourcing and that they always offer the cleanest product. I have now been taking the Ned full-spectrum hemp oil 750 milligram tincture twice daily and have truly noticed a massive shift in my overall mood and anxiety levels. 
While I don't often struggle with anxiety, I regularly use and love Ned's natural cycle collections of salves, tinctures, and roll-ons to support hormone balance and ease period symptoms. These products source 100% organic and wild-crafted botanicals and are slow-crafted from seed to bottle by a group of extraordinary women. All Ned products are also non-psychotropic. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com forward slash CW podcast. That is H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash CW podcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know that you're going to love these products. So you can also find the direct link in our show notes. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to today's episode of Create Just Wellness. It is just the two of us today for a special episode where we want to discuss what is going on in the world right now. Um, we decided on Sunday, May 31st, to pause airing our podcast last week for the first time in over 100 episodes out of respect and to continue refining and deepening our mission to destigmatize conversations in the wellness space and work to highlight and help transform the systemic racism we face as a country, which is something we've been well aware of and talking about for almost two years, but we also see how much more work there is to be done and our own blind spots. So we just want to open the episode by reading a statement that we posted on our Instagram page about two weeks ago. So Allie is going to read that now. Okay. So hi. Um, this is, we actually posted a quote first that was, um, was written by Sonia Renee Taylor. And um, it says this, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal. Other than we normalized greed, inequity, exhaustion, depletion, extraction. We should not long to return, my friends. We are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature. And then so our statement then read, the recent brutal murder of George Floyd by a police officer, not to mention countless other racially motivated murders that have continually happened in our country for hundreds of years, just drives home this idea by Sonia Renee Taylor even more. While we strive not to virtue signal while posting on social media, we do want to acknowledge our recognized responsibility and role as white women in the wellness community to hold ourselves accountable and to take more action and hold our community accountable as well. We will inevitably make mistakes in the process, but as we already discuss on the podcast, our food system and healthcare systems are deeply rooted in systemic racism. The more we learn, the more apparent that becomes. How can we practice wellness when our communities are deeply suffering? Wellness cannot be practiced in a vacuum and cannot be attained at the expense or oppression of others. As Mackenzie Smith stated, wellness work without social justice work is just privilege patting itself on the back. And as according to Weez said yesterday in her Instagram live, which was actually a few weeks ago now at this point, anti-racism is a muscle we must strengthen by using it every day. This is how we get better at it. And she provides strong resources for anti-racism education, and we are continuing to work on ours on our own time. 
We commit to continuing and deepening the conversation about inequities in our healthcare system, food system, and the immense privilege in the Los Angeles wellness world. And as our education grows and community grows, we hope to share resources so that we can work to actually make changes in the system rather than participating in an inadvertently supporting systems that perpetuate racism. With love, Ali and Erica. So it's as interesting as Erica mentioned, this is something we've been aware of sort of from the beginning, um, not, not to the level that we are now, but um, I remember, I think I was really first introduced to the concept of this by an episode of Mark Hyman's podcast, The Doctor's Pharmacy, which I pretty much quote all the time. Um, he had Hawk Newsom a while back, I'm going to say like two years ago, um, who is the one of the New York uh, leaders of the Black Lives Matter New York chapter and talking about sort of oppression, systemic racism through the food system. And that's when I, my eyes really opened up to this specifically. Um, and, you know, we have many episodes that we've sort of touched on different aspects of this from white privilege and wellness to actually systemic racism in healthcare. But um, something that like my eyes have been open to as I go through many of our interviews and Erica, you know, we've discussed this, one of my own blind spots, which now that I'm understanding that white voices and feelings have been at the center of the narrative in so many areas in media, I mean, it's sort of blatantly apparent now, but in the context of our show, I realized that Erica and I have, you know, always had this mission of destigmatizing conversation. And we have had hard conversations um, when it comes to the issues like we just spoke about. But one area where my blind spot was is that we've had a series of interviews on. Um, mostly these, this comes from white, white guests where oftentimes things will come up that are really like special to them, a part of their wellness journey. And as a podcast, we've always sort of taken the approach of like, these are other people's stories. We want to just like share the story, whatever it is, even if it differs from our own necessarily personal opinions on something, just like present the story. But we have bumped with a couple things that we could have easily um, called out, not in an attacking or judgmental way, but in a way to actually destigmatize conversation around it. And something that's been a pattern of behavior that like I've always thought about, hmm, and you'll, you'll hear upcoming episodes because we really, we record out oftentimes um, where guests, especially white guests, talk about using ayahuasca and plant medicine as a part of their own sort of spiritual healing journey. And I'm not an expert in this. I actually know very little about it. But I I wish I had opened the conversation surrounding that with, with certain guests um, to ask about, you know, the fact that like a lot of indigenous, this is like ritual and um, uh, sacred practice in a lot of indigenous cultures. And oftentimes people within those cultures who have this as a part of their ancestry don't even have access to having these kinds of sacred experiences. And so I, I want to have more conversation around that. If, if white wellness, wealthy people are in the position to be doing this and choosing to doing this, choosing to do this as a part of their journey, is there awareness 
around the fact that they're choosing to um, participate in something that even often people within the indigenous cultures who have like a sacred history with this type of plant medicine don't have access to. Like that's something that's bumped with me for a while and I've never brought it up on the podcast. So what I want to do is like call out white behavior when I feel about, do you know what I mean by that? Well, I do. And I think it is really interesting because there was that quote, right? Like we protect white feelings over black lives. And I think it's, it's a really interesting thought because especially the wellness world, which we have talked a lot about is so white and so privileged. Um, which we've done episodes about, and even where the origins, right? We talk so much about self-care. And I know we did an episode um, with Jordan McCrary of Juices and Berries where she shared with us and we discussed the origins of self-care come from Black women, right? Mm -hmm. It was a movement from Black women. So we don't talk about the origins. So again, it's not to shame anyone for choosing to do ayahuasca or have this experience with plant medicine, but yes, for us to be more aware of explaining and exploring, do you know the origins of this plant medicine? How, how does that, how, how, and then what, and give them the opportunity to discuss it and be like, no, I had no idea or yes, I did. And these are the ways I want to contribute X, Y, and Z. I don't know how these conversations will go because we haven't had them, but be it ayahuasca or be it something else, if something doesn't sit well with us because of our education and awareness, we have to call it out, you know, moving forward on the podcast instead of just not even protecting, but like you said, just presenting their journey without any discussion around it. Right. And I think it's interesting because we do that when it comes to right food justice and food privilege and the realm that we're in, but it's not enough just to do it in areas that we feel safe and comfortable doing it in. We have to do it in every single area. And even myself, you know, I've shared something I've really been thinking about, and we're going to share too at the end resources that we have been educating ourselves with in case they vibe with you as well. But um, I have shared on the podcast, be it in our episode about the West Side Food Bank um, or just sprinkling in my own experience, you know, I was, I really struggled with food insecurity as a kid and I was on um, free lunch programs and other government programs when I was um, young between the ages of about, you know, eight, nine and 13, 14. And, you know, other stuff to my story that I now want to share more about at a, on later episodes, but um, this is not <laughs> the, the episode to share it on because this isn't about me. But what it did make me aware of is, yes, I, I had this experience on free lunch and government programs, but I'm still white, right? Like I still didn't have to suffer extra because of my skin color. And my mom, and again, I don't know her story, but it's, it's, it's still a suffering we didn't have to go through because of our skin color and extra suffering. And I think that's, what's been interesting in the work that I'm doing is people always say, well, I have trauma too. 
I went through this. I went through that. I experienced this, but you didn't experience anything extra based on your skin color. And so, and and that's something I've been learning as I've been educating myself too about this concept of you can blend in. If you're poor, but you're white, you still blend and, and receive acceptance because you're white. Like there's this whole societal, my eyes are just waking up and I felt like I was awake before. And that's what scares me a little bit is because I thought I was awake and now I am learning. There's so much that I just didn't know with Mm -hmm. all of my experience, with all of my education, with all of my awakeness. I was, I, the, the, these blind spots that really were there. And so, you know, we do want to continue learning and growing and sharing and doing this work. And especially, you know, we will continue, especially highlighting these injustices, right. In our food system and the systemic racism that really does live in our food and healthcare system and in the white wellness world, you know, cause this is, our world and our passion and, you know, so much of our commitment to as health coaches has always been, and we haven't spoken so much about this on the podcast, but really giving back to the community and supporting, um, people who might not be able to afford health coaches. And there's a lot in our mission that has been there, but we're just kind of accelerating the gas, I think (laughs) on the pedal. Yeah, well, I think it's just it's just shown us that it's it's not only like important work, but it's like lives depend on it. And I think that's something that's easy to become desensitized to when your life doesn't depend on it. And um I don't I don't want to be desensitized to that. Um it's not the kind of world you know, we, we want to create. And so, um, but yet it is the world that we have existed in, been educated in and, um, and lived in. And like that, we have to understand that that that's what our country is based on. So this is going to be, this is like, you know, Eric and I have said, this is sort of lifestyle work in the sense, in the sense of like, when you are making any sort of changes, long-term changes in your lifestyle, whether it be like something as simple as incorporating movement into it or, you know, having, making dietary changes. This stuff doesn't happen easily overnight. Um, It's been a process for multiple years now for us. It's continuing, it's expanding, but we have to know that this is a marathon and this is something that we have to work on a little bit every day or a lot of it every day, but it's an everyday thing. It's not like all of a sudden, you know, you change your life overnight. It's why we have health coaches, for example. It's why like you need support in it too. And let's all support each other in this work that we're continuing to try to deepen and develop and um, will inevitably, you know, fuck up in some capacities, but that it's worth, you know, it's worth continuing to do. Yeah. And it's, it's not always comfortable. And I think getting used to that discomfort of, you know, it's like the, the caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. It's like, you have to go through like 
a transformation of self to really do this work. You know, it's, it's real. And something that we do want to explore that we haven't discussed directly on the podcast, but we have been talking about it more recently in private conversations. And we did touch on it in our last solo episode with the concept of legalizing food, but we didn't specifically call out because I didn't really know much about this, but really exploring fat phobia and diet culture that's rooted in white supremacy. And this is something that is blowing my mind and is deeply uncomfortable work, especially as someone with a weight loss that did stem from self-love. But to really explore these concepts of fat phobia and diet culture, but then also with the knowledge of nutrition and health, it's very deep. It's very layered. I know we don't- It's complex. It's very complex work. It's very complex, but I do like, it makes so much sense, right? The fat phobia and diet culture that's deeply rooted in white supremacy, deeply rooted in colonizing bodies, deeply rooted in keeping women down, but especially black women down yeah, um, or women of color down. Yeah. This is this is real tough stuff, and it is something that we're definitely going to do episodes on. We're definitely exploring. Um, it, we hope you're interested in it because we're very interested in it, even as coaches, right? And but yeah, this concept of fat phobia is um, really something interesting to me. And we've also been, you know, in this exploration recently. Um, introduced to different sort of communities, even nutritionists who are a part of the healthy at every size movement. Um, it's HACE is, you know, what it stands for healthy at every size, H-A-E-S. And exploring that work too. I mean, it's really eye-opening. Um, we hope to have an expert on the subject come and talk about it on the show because obviously we are not experts about this. So um, that's that's sort of like a hope of ours to explore this concept even more, um, especially in the context of, you know, someone like you who's had a weight loss as a part of your journey, but not, not necessarily a, a desired one in the sense of like, you didn't, you didn't try. It was sort of a result of a part of your journey. But at the same time, how we value thinness and the idea of thin privilege too. Um, it's just really interesting. It's, it's so fascinating to me and it really does. It's, it, it's really, this is, this is why it's uncomfortable because this hard work of, again, what's the root of everything we talk about, right? Like when you think of fat phobia, diet culture, white, white supremacy, racism, it's so connected. And, and it's so connected to to like what would happen if we just cuz hate like the self hatred and i can't speak for all women but i feel like a lot of women i think so much of this stuff comes from the fact that we just deeply don't like ourselves right and it's different for everybody it's different for everybody but like how, where does hatred come from? Any sort of outward hatred or judgment, you got to start looking at yourself. Any time 
there is, and I don't know, this is, again, we're going to explore this. We're going to get experts. We've done, I've downloaded some books that talk about this. I need to educate myself about it, but it's just really interesting what we perpetuate because like, where is the root? Is it self-hatred? Is it, you know, like, why do I, I clearly don't have the words, but hopefully we're all in this process together where we're going to grow and expand and learn and better ourselves, better our communities, because it does start. It's like anger, hatred, all of the things that we want to change outside live inside. That's yeah. our whole Buddhist practice. That's, That's our whole Buddhist practice. practice. Our whole Buddhist pro- practice is if you want to change the world on the outside, you have to do your human revolution and start changing things on the inside. And so I'm sorry if my stream of consciousness isn't making much sense, but I'm I'm really starting to deeply explore things that I didn't even know lived inside of me. Mm, in I think of, especially yeah. in this world of fat phobia, diet culture, with my own experience you know, with weight loss that had nothing to do with wanting to lose weight. It's going to be interesting. And I'm excited to see where it takes us. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's like just another sort of like frontier of exploration with all the topics that we cover on this show. And and we do want to present, continue to present different stories because it's important for people to understand that experiences, um, that different experiences can help you sort of educate yourself and, and areas that you also want to explore for yourself. Um, I do think that it's, it's interesting, Erica. I do think more than ever, I'm grateful for our Buddhist practice because I, this concept of human revolution, that that's the language we use in Buddhism, but this idea that like, we all have the ability to bring out our highest potential because it inherently exists in all human life, in all life. Like there is dignity that exists um, and we just have the opportunity to pull it out. I'm not saying that everybody lives from that place by no means, right? Like, but it's, it's the potential. The potential is there. And so um, using that, using that practice to explore those aspects of myself, I'm, I'm sort of more, it's hard, listen, it's hard work. Like our Buddhist practice is really hard work. I don't know if we've ever said it in that way on this podcast. We talk about our practice a lot, but it's not easy. And like, even when you start practicing and you choose to start practicing, there's literally something that's like read to you that Nietzsche and Daishonin, whose teachings, a lot of this practice is based off of, um, from, you know, 13th century Japan, it's like to begin is uh, easy, to continue is difficult, but Buddhahood, the idea of Buddhahood lies in continuing. And I think that's sort of like applicable to literally everything. To everything. And, you know, to, so to give some resources that we've um, been reading and educating ourselves with, it is aligned with this concept because um, both of the books that, um, I have read and started have talked about this is not easy, but if you want to make a change, it, you have to sit in the discomfort. 
you have to sit in the discomfort and continue. And so two of those books, the first that um, I read and finished that I really suggest and is honestly a really great place to start is White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. And I know that's very Instagrammable and been everywhere. And so you may have seen it, you may have downloaded it, or you may have rolled your eyes at it. Um, But as somebody who read it um, in a weekend, it's a really good place to start. Um, At least it was for me. It opened my eyes to a lot of things that I was not 100% aware of. Um, And it talks about our white fragility, our white privilege, and the way to address and start doing the work. And um, it's a great place to start. I think it's 169 pages. I downloaded it on my Kindle, so I could be wrong on the page count, but I'm pretty sure it was only 169 pages. You can read it. You can learn from it. It's great. The second one is Me and White Supremacy by Layla F. Sod. It's something I've just started. It's going to be a longer read because it's a 28-day um, book and journaling activity. Um, and actually, Robin DiAngelo of White Fragility wrote the intro um, to the book. So that was kind of a cool, like I finished that and got to start this. And there's definitely white fragility is mentioned in me and white supremacy that I have started, but I'm only on day one of the 28 days of journaling. And this is again, deep, deep work. It's, these are uncomfortable questions that we are asked to ask ourselves and journal about and get deep. But again, she talks about the only way we can change unless we just want to be performative and intellectual about things the only way we can change it is if we change what lives within ourselves. And everyone has different layers of that. Everyone is, has different layers that live inside of them, but we all have these layers because we live in a society that is built on white supremacy, whether we want to believe it or not. Right. This is just the fact. We live in it. We experience it. And especially if you are white, like we are, we benefit from it without even being aware of how much we are benefiting from being white. And so um, these journal prompts, again, just on day one, and she says it's probably going to take you longer than 28 days because this work isn't easy, but I'm excited to see um, where it goes and where it takes me. But again, like you said about our Buddhist practice, it's not easy to do this work, but we have to do it and we have to take it seriously if we want to change the world that we live in. Because that's the thing. This isn't about politics. This isn't about anything external because we've seen politics change, laws change, governments change, and everything stays the same. Because unless we have a fundamental shift in the human heart, nothing is going to change. Yeah. For real maybe just like a little bit, but not for real. And so, yeah, it's, I think it's a long game. Yeah. I, I think that's great. And like, before we wrap it up, the last thing I just wanted to touch on, which you mentioned earlier w- with sort of the exploration of fat phobia and um, thin privilege and all the, all those sort of things that we are kind of newly exploring for ourselves. Um this idea of self-hatred, 
I think that also is like we have been programmed through the system, right? Like through this sort of system based in white supremacy. We've all been programmed as a form of control, like culturally. I mean, not like literally one person programmed us, but like through what we value, through our society's values, through the aspects of greed and control and power dynamic and all that type of thing, we've been taught to hate ourselves. Like, I don't know that self-hatred, just like hatred of another, is inherently human. I think that is systemic. And I think that's learned behavior. And I need to do more research on that. But, you know, it's children don't hate themselves. Children don't hate their bodies. Children don't hate others. So it's like, this is all stuff that we are taught to do. And as Rachel Cargill talks about in the context of anti-racism work, it's a great unlearn. And all of these things are intrinsically linked. And so I think starting on the work also of like stop, stopping hating our bodies as women, as, you know, as whatever, not even women, any, any gender identity you might have, um, stopping that sort of self-hatred, which is not an easy, (laughs) an easy place to, to start, but I think could have could be massively like revolutionary. Yeah, absolutely. So (laughs) yeah, well, let us know, you know, um, we'll be back next week with another interview and we have such great interviews that we have already recorded that will be coming out to you. And we're really gonna, as we continue educating ourselves and learning, gonna bring in experts on so many different topics, but we're really going to continue, you know, our mission with Courageous Wellness and we appreciate our community so much and, you know, let us know what you think. You can get in touch um, through Instagram at Courageous Wellness. You can, um, we're going to be relaunching a new website soon. So look out for that. And it's going to talk much more about our coaching and group coachings that we are going to launch this summer. But in the meantime, you can get in touch with us still at Courageous Wellness Podcast dot com and yeah let us know what you think and we will see you next wednesday thanks for tuning in to another episode of courageous wellness tune in every wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week subscribe rate and write us a nice review and you can also follow us on instagram at courageous wellness or get in touch through our website www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.